Welcome to Becoming Limitless. This is the podcast for entrepreneurs who want to optimize their brain and their body with biohacking. I'm going to teach you how to eliminate brain fog and upgrade your health so you can have more productivity, energy, and growth in your business. I'm your host, Tanessa Shears. Let's jump in. Hey, welcome to the Becoming Limitless podcast. I have a guest episode for you today, and I am so excited because... I have known Vicki Louise through our coaching industry, meaning we've had some of the same coaches, we have overlapped in some of the programs that we've taken together, and Vicki has a very cool niche. She is a time hacker, so she specifically works with clients to help them hack their time and get more results out of the time they already have, and knowing that I love biohacking, and you know that hacking is all about finding those solutions and tools to make things easier and get you results faster. Faster, she was the perfect person to have on the show. So Vicky is a reformed hustler turned time hacker, and she's taking on the 40-hour work week, or you know, as entrepreneurs, maybe it's a 60-hour work week, and the age-old tale that things take time. She's lived in four countries in the last two years, and today she is recording from France. So we get into a lot of fun ideas in here about you know our thoughts about time, what it really means to have time, as well as the three steps she takes with clients to actually hack time. And one of the cool things that we get to talk about is this idea of collapsing time in which you can produce a result in a shorter and shorter amount of time. So you don't need to spend all of this time thinking that it takes all this effort to produce a result. So she actually tells you how she scaled to a multiple six-figure business and within six figures actually in under a year in her first year in business using time hacking. So this is a phenomenal episode that you are absolutely going to to love. So just before we jump in, I got to check, have you downloaded the 12 ways to biohack your energy playbook? It's my entrepreneur's guide to having really high energy mornings and productive days. And they are the best of the best biohacks that I use with my clients in order to have them feel high energy. Because if we're talking about time hacking, we know that productivity is not about your calendars and your apps and stuff like that. And we actually talk about this on the episode today, but it's about your energy. So think about the last time you had a productive day scheduled and you showed up without energy. It didn't get done, right? So we really need to master our energy. This is the best place to start. You can get it at tanessashears.com forward slash energy, or I'll drop the link in the description so that you can get that and we can get started on biohacking your brain and your energy so that we can make the most out of our time as entrepreneurs. All right, so this episode is a good one. I can't wait for you to hear it, so let's jump in. So welcome back to the Becoming Limitless podcast. I have a guest today, and I'm so excited for you to meet her because our worlds intersect in that we love hacking. And whether it's biohacking or hacking your time, we are going to get into all the nitty-gritty details I would like to welcome to the show, Vicki, would you like to introduce yourself and tell us how you help people? Sure. Yeah. Thanks so much for having me. Um, my name is Vicky. I go by Vicky Louise and I am a time hacker. I call myself actually a reformed hustler turned time hacker because I knew I always wanted to be successful, like so many of your listeners, like you. And a lot of the messaging I got when I was younger was like, work hard, hard work pays off. The more hours, the more success. Like in my corporate background, it was very like FaceTime was not an app on our phone. It was what we all did at 7 p.m. in the office on a Friday. Um, 
And so when I went into entrepreneurship, that was really what I was doing. I was working seven days a week and not being successful, let's be honest. And um, yeah, and then I started making some different decisions, making some different investments and, and making bold, scary decisions instead of just being busy all the time. And I was able to scale my business to multiple six figures within seven months. So I was like, oh, things don't actually take time. That's a lie. And there's no formula of like the number of hours you work equals more time. Like now I work a 15 hour week and, you know, I'm at the most successful I've been. And that's really what I help people do. I help people. I call it like optimizing your time, um, because really, if we think about where we were taught about time, it's like school where you have a schedule that you fill and that's how, like people want you to be busy. You are a child and at no point does someone sit us aside as adults and teach us how to not just fill our time, but really think strategically about what's going to create the results that we want. So that's it. Oh, I love that. Okay. So tell us how you got into this whole world of time hacking. And I love that you actually use the word, you said optimization. And it's so funny because when I talk to people and the word biohacking comes up, there's like this intimidation that comes around the word hacking. Cause they're like, that sounds like very masculine and very aggressive. And I'm like, no, no, no. It's really cool because it's all about just finding solutions. It's it's really just a neat word. And I like that you use that too, because I often find I have to sometimes explain it in terms of optimization too. But yeah. do you agree? Do you find that sometimes? Yeah, I am like a little bit of a maths geek and I do find it like a little bit on, on that edge. But I will say what's interesting, the reason why I was drawn to hacking as opposed to like time managing, and I'm sure this is similar to you, is because like if you look at the time industry, which is an industry, right? Like and the time rules, like the 40 hour work week and the third, you know, two weeks off a year or whatever it might be. And the time tools like calendars or any of those things, they were actually all created by men, for men, for actually one specific industry, typically a hundred years ago. Like none of these decisions were made with women involved. So it's interesting to think like, oh, hacking is masculine. Cause I think the opposite, I think it's like us standing up and saying, actually, we weren't involved in the decision-making process here. So I'm going to instead like figure out what works best for me. And like, maybe it works best for me to not work a five-day work week. You know what I mean? Yeah. I love that because it is kind of taking back how we perceive it. I love that. That's a really good one. And I find like a lot of the work that I do with, you know, biohacking does come down to looking at how we can, I do a lot of biohacking with um, work and where we are in our cycle, interestingly enough, and when our energies peak and they drop. And like, I know there are certain weeks specifically, like right before my cycle starts where I'm like this week, I'm going to schedule half. So that is, that's interesting. It's just the same take on what we both do. I love that. Yeah, even like with biohacking, it's literally the same thing. What we've seen happen, because just so everyone knows I'm a bit of an economics geek, but what we really saw happen was just like the mass marketization of like food and what we are consuming and how we are treating our bodies and how we are treating our time. And it's like kind of reached this plateau. And in terms of our productivity, like statistics show that when we've not increased our productivity since 1970 with working longer hours, with technology, with all of this stuff. And I think the root cause of that is really because we are not optimizing how we are using our time. I love that. I wonder if that's almost correlated to the rise of like technology and like how distracted we are just by the presence of it. 
around us. I wonder if that's kind of like that perfect trade-off. Um, so how did you get into this in the first place? Like, it sounds like you came from a corporate background or like a, Mm -hmm. how did you end up being like, no, I definitely need to help people with this. Yeah, like how far fuck are we gonna go? I'm just gonna tell you all because I think it's really powerful for your listeners to also hear about some mad big juicy fails along the way. Um, because it wasn't like, and then I'm gonna be a coach in time hacking. Um, so I worked in corporate in finance. And I always wanted to work more with people. So then I moved to the sales side of investment. And then I moved to this super aggressive sales role in New York of like technology. And then I went back to finance and then I was like, oh, I'm done. And I think I'm going to do coaching maybe or counseling. Like I wasn't really sure. And so I started coaching people for free. And then I met my husband and relocated to live with him. And um, we ended up coming up with this idea of people relocating and meeting new people. We ended up accidentally co-founding a tech startup. We were like living in a tech hub. And so that's when I ended up having panic attacks. So, you know, my brand used to be all around mastering anxiety and getting things done. And so we launched a startup and I put my coaching business to the side, even though I had my podcast. And I mean, this, this business took us to go relocate like to Austin, Texas. And we had like over 400 events and all of this great stuff, but we just were not making any money. We were working all the time. And then eventually one day he was like, I am just not living like this anymore. And I was like, I'm so glad you said that. Um, so it was like a massive fail. Then I went into coaching. When I started coaching, I think I was like a relationship coach. That was like a year earlier for like two months. And then like, it really has been like a side to side messy go around. And what happened with Time Hackers really was, Um, like I said, I joined a mastermind. I invested in my business. I took on a lot of debt when we had closed this business, moved back in with my parents. My husband like was like looking for a job. He found like a catering job where I would drop him off at five in the morning. Like we were not in a good position to be taking on debt, but I just did it. And, um, and then I reached like multiple six figures by month seven of that year. And I was like, like exactly like I said earlier it just all hit me of like we think things take time we are told things take time time heals all wounds give things time like I want to encourage everyone listening to like start looking out for how often you hear it because time passes while things happen but time is never the creator of anything there's no such thing as the right place right time you make something the right place right time and that started to like irk me a little bit and I was like it was just it was literally like I knew it was going to be something around time. And I think the hacking thing was interesting because I remember actually two years earlier, I'd said to a personal trainer, we should do a program together about like hack your brain and hack your body. So I think that's like the little rebel in me that like wanted that kind of thing. Like I'm not following rules and really it's just evolved from there. Yeah. I love that. I always love a good story where it's like, that's like mine too. It's, it's full of left turns and zigs and zags. And like, I did my own, you know, CBT dealing with my anxiety, which I've talked about in the podcast before, and also have used hacking to get that, you know, feeling really good about that. But it's interesting that you talk about this concept of time. And I, it's in, I came across a term maybe a couple months ago, the idea of collapsing time which is what sounds like you're talking about. It's like, oh, we always think like, oh, what if it took six months to make a hundred thousand? Well, now if I could do it in four months, that's the idea of collapsing time, taking like less time to do the same thing. So I, w- I would like you to talk a little bit about the concept of time. Why do you think 
we as humans think about it so differently because I don't know if you've ever heard of there, there's all these studies done that humans are the only species on the planet that are really aware of time. Like the amount of heart attacks that happen on Monday mornings just due to work stress and starting the week is is so much higher than every other time of the week, yet they don't find this replicated in any other species. So we obviously have this preoccupation with time. I don't know if you could talk a little bit about like that and your concept of time and how it might be different from how the rest of us see time. Yeah, I think it's interesting because I think what we're forgetting is we were taught rules about time. We were taught to go to work on a Monday morning. We were taught, like, if we think about how we started in the workforce and how it started to get more professional when we went from, like, farming to factories, it literally used to be that people just worked, like, based on the weather. And then once we started moving away from agriculture, we started building these rules that were decided for us. Like, I think, like, it was only, like, 130 years ago where the U.S. had, like, 15 different time zones, not just five or how many there are now like literally these decisions were just made and then implemented and then normalized and like I said they were all done at a time when the world was very like vastly different like unrecognizably different um so I think that's really powerful for everyone to recognize like what really is time it's just this measurement that we use you know commercially so that we can pay people by hours which was deemed like the best idea when most of our work was like factory work very simple which most of our work is not anymore um so it's really just been created as a measurement and what we've done is we've created we've given more emphasis to the measurement than to what we were measuring do you see what i mean like like the time matters more than the actual result of like i produced i you know i created i created a book like well i'll create a book in eight months like one of my clients said to me she goes it takes me two months to sign a client. And I said, where did you get that from? And she goes, well, my last one was two months or the one before. And I was like, but you're now just saying that it takes you two months to create a client because you think that the time elapsed is what matters, but it didn't take you two months. What did it actually take you? Like, if we are not able to put time as a responsible at all, what, what actually happened for you to create that client? And that's why when you speak about collapsing time, we can totally collapse time. But more interesting than that is what happens when we remove time from the conversation? Like, really, I want everyone to think about what you are giving time credit for. Like, oh, it takes me like, yeah, two months to sign a client. Like, no, what is underneath that? Oh, it takes about six months to plan a wedding. Does it? Does it really? Or do, you know what I mean? Like, really, it's like what actually needs to happen. And when we focus on what needs to happen and not the time frame, we get there a lot faster. We probably find much better solutions to get it done too. Like that don't take six months to plan a wedding. I totally hear that. We planned our wedding in like three weeks and it was amazing. <laughs> yeah. People take two years and like you can do whatever you want. But the point is, once we start looking at like, what's this normal stuff? I love when I do my finger things and we're on a podcast. Air quotes. Yeah. yeah. Um, what's it? What's the normal time to plan a wedding? What's the normal time to reach six figures in your business? What's a no, like, what do you mean what's normal? Whenever we are looking at the timeline, we are not doing the needle moving work. Like really think about that. And it's the same with like over, overly calendaring. And listen, I used to literally train people on like how to do the perfect calendar. But really, it's like, if you are like, I don't think we are built, all of us, to plan the perfect calendar and then follow the perfect calendar like robots. Like we literally aren't. Like we were saying earlier, you might be ill. You might not feel inspired. Like whatever it might be, 
we're just not built that way. And what I'm seeing and what so many of my clients come to me with is like, I just need help like figuring out because I'm spending all my time feeling guilty about the things I'm not doing. I'm like, so just stop saying you're going to do them. Why don't we start there? But it's like the shame because of like everything that's happening out there and a lot of like gurus and conversation around like being able to do all of these things and be really organized and all these fancy planners that are going to make you just suddenly do everything. It's like no planner, no app, no calendar. None of these tools are going to get you getting the thing done. Like really let's focus on underneath that and just like unwind all of these like rules that really disempower us and have us like measuring ourselves up against the thing that doesn't matter, like, listen, if, if following your calendar guaranteed you results every time, I would be all for it, but you can follow your calendar perfectly and not produce results because more important than following your calendar is what you are doing with your time, how you are showing up. See what I mean? Yeah. I, I love that. And I totally agree with that. It's about putting, you know, thinking about the result instead of the busy work that we all get done. And like, and it's an interesting that you talk about that concept of the guilt of not following the calendar. Cause like the way I schedule my week out is I have an idea what I want to get done. But like I said, like you said, I woke up on Wednesday and I had headaches. I was, you know, really like fatigued and it was unusual for me. So I did my four calls that day and I scrapped the rest of the day. And it was just fascinating. The awareness, watching my brain go, Oh, where's that work going to go now? And I had to constantly be coaching and checking myself and being like, you know what? You're a human. You're fine. If it takes you one extra day or another week to get the, you know, Canva design finished, it's fine. Mm. Nobody cares. Like Nobody like, cares if that Canva design never even went out. Like, I know. And I, yeah. And I say to my clients sometimes, they'll be like, no, you don't get it. It's a special podcast episode that I have to get everything done for. And I'm like, you know, the, the, the percentage of people that would notice if you missed a week are so much, you know, smaller than we think. And even if you do you're allowed to, because you make the decisions in your life. You know what I mean? And like, instead of piling on the guilt, which just makes everything feel terrible. So I love, I love that you said that. And like time management, like you said, is a very hot topic. And there's that double edged side of, and I'm going to use my air quotes, productivity, um, because it is a double edged sword. Like we, we like the idea because it makes us feel like we're getting stuff done. But I also think there's that whole side of it in which if we are not careful, it can actually just ruin our experience of our business and our life and feeling that need. I coach on this all the time, that need to always be doing something. And how many women say to me, like, oh, if I don't do something and I just have a night where I watch TV, I'm being lazy. And I love that. And it's instilled so much from their parents where their parents will say to them like, oh, well, you should be doing something right now. That's a waste of your time. That's useless if you just lay around. And we've just been indoctrinated with if we're not always productive, we're being lazy. And so I guess this is where the concept of time hacking comes in. So what do you think is the key difference between time management and time hacking? So like you kind of onto something there, which is like, it's not just about optimizing your time on, it's about optimizing your time off as well. And what, I, and I'm going to tell you guys about the three steps to time hacking in a minute, but what I want to share first is like this whole idea of like, we live in a world where you can be busy, being busy is cheap, like it's easy to do. And let's give ourselves credit. Like you said, we've been trained to be busy. That's how like, and not even just from our parents, from society, even from like our pagan roots, it was like, you know that makes you a good person because it used to be that your work used to feed the family whereas like you know feed the whole neighborhood or whatever it was and now it doesn't matter anymore we all like if you're listening to this podcast you have your needs met um 
So it's okay. I think it's really powerful to understand where it all comes from. But what, I, what my clients end up doing, how I live my life, how we create epic results is like when we show up, we show up and do the things that move the needle forward most. That's typically the most uncomfortable things that you don't want to do. And that means that you do need more rest, right? Like you do genuinely need more rest and more play. It's kind of like working out like high intensity interval training. Like you can't do that for three hours, like it's just not on. Um, what you do is you like show up fully, you you sweat a lot and then you switch on and off, on and off. And that's really like I teach my clients a process about sprints and rests. It's like really the same thing. Um, and it really is about how you show up to get the most important things done versus I've got my time. So I'm just going to fill it, which is what we were taught in school and really what time management is about. I said it. Um, so the three things, there's only three things that we focus on in time hacking. And if you focus on these three things, you will move faster than time. It applies to any area of your life. It applies to building a business. It applies to finding love. It applies to like literally anything. Um, the first is really about managing your mind. I call it hack your brain. So you're like this. So in hacking your brain is also really about like the way you speak about you is the most important thing. And people will walk around with like really negative self-descriptions. Like I'm just impatient. I'm a procrastinator. I'm lazy. I just don't always follow through. Um, and you just want to be really mindful. So what we do in my program is we unlearn and choose how we describe ourselves because how you describe yourself is like, a slot machine, whatever you put in is what you get out. That's the first step to time hacking. Even like one of my fa- my favorite, my client's favorite thing is just to start calling themselves a time hacker. Like even I had someone share this week, like even the moment she said yes, she took on the identity of a time hacker and made different decisions like that day. So I think that's really powerful because things don't take time, right? Um, the second step is all about how you make decisions. And really like how you make decisions to a filter of kindness and growth. Whereas so often we are making decisions from a place of I'm not good enough. I should do more. I need to prove myself. I need to earn my worth or earn my love or like all of that stuff. Um, Or like how many things can I get done today so that I can feel good enough to have a rest tonight? Whatever it might be. People pleasing, perfectionism, all of that juicy stuff. So really why I teach my clients is a process for making decisions through kindness and growth so that you are being kind to yourself and again nurturing that relationship with yourself and always moving forward Um, so it's really about like sustainable decision making as opposed to short-term thinking which is how our brains are wired right short-termism and the last one is all about how we master our fear of failure and really reframing failure so that it's not just something we do it's something we celebrate. Like in my community, we celebrate failing um, and we really just reframe it. Like one of the trainings that I have in my portal is like, I am a failure. And everywhere you will hear people say like, you're not a failure, you're not a failure. I'm like, can we just call ourselves a failure and move forward? Because you can be a failure and a success. In fact, the sooner, the less you spend arguing with being a failure, the more you're going to be a success. It's just not useful to argue with the fact that we are failures. Like, yes, we are failures and we are successes. It's not a problem. Um, so I really encourage everyone listening to think about that. Like, what do you think about when you when you think I'm a failure? What if you didn't feel so negative about it? How much quicker would you move if you didn't feel negative about that? So yeah, those are the three steps that we focus on in time hacking. And notice how none of them have to do with like creating the perfect calendar. Now in saying that, my clients can use the calendar and use any tools that they want. 
I'm just not going to tell them what they do or don't have to do because like everyone listening, you know what's best for you. You get to use these tools to hack and figure out what's best for you. And what's best for you right now might be different. If you suddenly have kids or you move to a new country or your business grows 10x in this year, whatever it might be. And that's why having these tools underneath is so much more powerful than just having, here's the perfect calendar for you to follow. I love that. It is such a refreshing take on time. I tell my clients over and over again as well. Like, I don't care if you use Google Calendar or a paper planner or Trello or or nothing at all. Because I always tell them like the take that I always have on, on being, on getting stuff done, it, it almost marries with yours so beautifully. I always like to think like it doesn't, our productivity or what we get done has nothing to do with the calendars. It has to do with your energy because try showing up and getting anything done off your list. If you're like a a zombie, like Wednesday was the perfect example. I'm just like, I know my brain doesn't do good work in that state. And I'm just like, it's fine if I have a day because I'd rather just take a day to recover than to put out work that is just putting it out for the sake of putting it out. Uh, Yeah, I'm like, it's fine if you have a week. Like, seriously, I'm going to tell you as well, since it happened this week, I got back from a work trip um, from Mexico last week. So granted, it was quite far and blah, blah. Anyway, um, I was actually able to recover and like I'm sleeping nights and waking up. But on Tuesday, I woke up and I'd slept firstly like 11 hours. My husband was like, wake up lazy, like seriously. And I was like, okay, yeah, I'll wake up. And then I woke up and I did some yoga and stretching and meditation and blah, blah, my morning routine. Like I didn't cut that off just because um, I'd slept longer. And then I literally opened my computer to start doing work. And I was met with like a wave of tired. I was like, I'm going to go nap. Like, I just want to nap. Like that was it. And I know that a year ago, two years ago, like I would have been, I would have met with just so much shame and I would have just like hustled through it and like, and been like, this is the morally better thing to do. I must show up and do the work. Like no one cared. No one missed anything. Um, and like, I was better rested and therefore more creative in what I wanted to do. So just yes. have naps people. I couldn't agree more. I like had an hour and a half nap yesterday and I know the science on napping and it was too long of a nap. I needed it. It was wonderful. No, no, no. I'm just even going to stop you there because I even think that is not even true. Like the science on napping and the rule about how much, how many minutes you should have is not individual to you. Like what, like, you know what I mean? And like even individual to where you are in your cycle, even individual to our age and our biochemistry and all of this stuff. Like, and I'm saying, I'm so glad you said that because it's so important. Like everything that you are reading. I was having this conversation with someone about how we're told to have eight glasses of water every day. And it's like, not eight glasses of water every single day, right? Like it's kind of like all these mass market rules that like you totally get to follow if you don't want to think about it for yourself. But if you had a nap for an hour and a half, then that was probably what you needed. And you can just wake up and be like, that was exactly what I needed. It was definitely what I needed because I didn't get enough sleep the night before, which led to the whole uh, downward spiral. But the, the, the interesting thing about napping is it wasn't so much that the nap was too long. It was the timing of my nap, because I think I've talked about this on the podcast before. We have adenosine molecules in our brain and they build up during the day. And if we have naps too close to the end of the day, it relieves that what we call sleep pressure. So I, I did notice it took me a little bit longer to fall asleep. And like, honestly, the entrepreneurs that I work with, they sit there at night going, oh my gosh, I got to do this. And I got to do this. And their brains are going. And so that's one of the hacks that I always use is like, I love naps and I'm always, you know, a fan of naps, but if it's disrupting your ability to fall asleep later, 
then it yeah. kind of perpetuates that cycle. So definitely, definitely love a good nap though. And I always encourage, it's so funny. Entrepreneurs just resist rest, brain rest, physical rest, all of the things. And I think that's why it's so important. And it's interesting that when we talk about time, the concept of resting keeps coming up. And mm-hmm. I absolutely love that. So one of the questions I wanted to ask you is you said, you talk a little bit about the, when people say we don't have time, like, what do they mean when they're saying that? Uh, they mean everything under the sun. They mean, I, this isn't important to me. They mean, I don't want to hang out with you. They mean, this doesn't sound interesting. They mean, like, like really, we are, we've been given this delicious time story excuse, this surface level story that's just so widely accepted. But underneath, I don't have time because everyone has the same amount of time, is this just isn't a priority for me. Mm-hmm. Or like, I don't think this is going to be valuable or I don't want to do this. But we are so conditioned to like, people please and make you know not not ever disappoint anyone and even not even say no I don't have time now but maybe later check with me later versus like let's just even go there um I actually want to use an entrepreneur example so I was going to use a friendship example but let's use an entrepreneur example if you like want to create a networking meeting with someone and you're like we should like have a zoom call I would love to get to know you and him or what you're doing and that person says I don't have time and then like a week later you're following up with them like hey do you have time now and they're like oh I still don't have time and a week later oh I still don't have time when really they're just not interested it would be far better for them to just be like listen I appreciate you inviting me to a zoom call I'm just not interested in networking with you right now or not even right now I'm just not interested full stop why do you think people have such trouble saying that? Because I, I I know that feeling and I'm sure most of us listening have used I don't have time on many occasions. So what do you think it is that makes that so hard for people to say the real reason? Yeah, so firstly, I think credit to everyone listening. Like you've probably never thought that there was something underneath it because it's such a widely used sentence. So I don't think we're always intentionally not saying what we want to say. Secondly, we've been given this comfort blanket, this widely accepted one, and our brains are wired for comfort. So of course we do the uncomfortable thing because it uh, it is, you can feel physical discomfort saying something that you think is going to create a negative emotion for someone else. Um and in the short term, because our brain, remember, is very short-sighted versus it's actually going to give them more time freedom because um, they're never going to have to think about me again. They can go find the person that does really want to speak with them because there will be people that do really want to speak to them. And it's OK that it's not you. Um, so I think it's just like we've never really, like I say, what I teach around time and time hacking, it's like we've just never been taught to think about time this way. So in no way is any of it like you are doing something wrong and you should be saying something else. It's really like, hey, can we like pause for a minute and look at what's actually going on underneath this? And then you get to make that decision Yeah. versus like, you knew this all along. I think we didn't even pause to think about, I know I did not pause to think about that until I was like knee deep in this work. Yeah. You know what? You're right. You're right. I do spend a lot of time with clients always being like, get out of other people's heads. You don't belong in their thoughts. That's not your job to decide what they're thinking all the time. So you're right. There is that awareness piece that most of us don't. I always tell my clients whenever we start doing the thought work part of it, because as much as we do biohacking and we talk about your sleep and your food, it always comes up what our thinking is. And that's, you know, the root of our consistency and our discipline and all of that kind of stuff. And I always tell them, I'm like, okay, welcome to your brain. 
you have to start hearing what goes on in there. And they're always like, no, I don't really think anything. Cause I asked them at the beginning to do uh, five minutes of just sitting there, listening to your thoughts every day for a week. And they're like, I don't think I'm thinking anything. I'm like, I promise you're thinking something and you just can't hear it. And I also warn them. I'm like, this is not going to be fun. It's going to be uncomfortable and be prepared to be surprised with what you find because a brain that you can't hear, I'm using my air quotes, is usually not a very nice brain when you start listening to it, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. I call it, I have a podcast episode called like your inner crazy, which is like the same <laughs> kind of thing. Like just sit and let your inner crazy out instead of judging it, arguing with it, wishing it was different, blaming yourself, thinking something's gone wrong. It's like, you know, just sentences in our brain. So I love that. Oh, totally. So I just want to wrap up with talking about, um, you talk about the end of the 40 hour work week. And honestly, with most of the entrepreneurs I work with, I think 40 would be a refreshing break from the 60. There's so much work we end up doing around time and boundaries and being uncomfortable closing your computer. And there's, you're never going to feel good. Like, I mean, you're never going to feel that sense of I've done enough if you don't learn the skill of boundaries, but how do we put an end to these long weeks? Yes. Well, I'm about to launch a mastermind called the 15 hour work week. So Ooh, people can join that. That sounds <laughs> um, amazing. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be amazing. Um, but really it's, it's doing what's uncomfortable. Like it's understanding that the reason that you want to keep working isn't because you consciously chose to keep working. It's because you've been programmed to believe that your worth is attached to your work. You've been pro like someone else benefits when you think that you can't stop until everything else is done. Like if you came from a corporate background, that's like obviously the mental conditioning. <laughs> it was like, I mean, not that I think it's even useful in corporate. I think it costs them a lot of money as well, but that's like the very old fashioned mindset. It's kind of like you get to do what's uncomfortable today. Like it's kind of like, imagine there's a bucket of water above you and you can like drip feed that bucket of water. And that could be 60, 80 hour work weeks for the rest of your life. Or you can like pull a rope and get completely drenched. And that's like cutting down your work week to if people are like, if people are listening, if they, if 40 sounds a lot, or for my people, they come into time back because they do 30 or 25 and like drenching yourself in the whole discomfort, but then you dry and then you don't have to deal with the drip forever. Like it really is like that. Like if you are waiting for it to be comfortable, firstly, you probably shouldn't be an entrepreneur because the whole experience is highly uncomfortable. And um, secondly, just, just that pause of, is this a conscious choice? Like, would I want my child to work like this? Would I want my best friend to work like this? Because again, the reason why I use that is because if you've not yet built this like super tender, loving, compassionate relationship with yourself, think of someone you have that for and start thinking about how you would make decisions for them. You'll be amazed at what you don't want them to do on a Saturday night. But you're like, oh, it's fine. I'll do it. Or like, I'll even tell you guys, I went from my wedding instead of a honeymoon straight to Austin, Texas, this accelerator program for startups, like literally like the next day, not a single break. Like it was such a surreal because, you know, your wedding is such an emotional time. And like, we didn't give ourselves any time to really like be with that emotion. And then we went to this whole new country continent where no one even knew that we just got married. It was like very weird. It was very like, it was traumatic, not traumatic, but it was uncomfortable. Like it was really uncomfortable. And a second thing, when I was once in a co-working space at like 10 p.m., 
Um, and I was in a country where there was like um, some war and there was rockets coming at me. And I was canceling the call from my partner and canceling the call from a friend to tell me. And I was on this business call with New York and I was like, no, 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 like this call is super important. And then, and then I started seeing the messages come in and the news and I was like, whoa, like that is not how I want to live my life. So just like really, um, <laughs> really to think about how do you consciously want to live your life? How would you choose, like if you were designing your life and designing your time, how would you want to live? Because I promise you, any reasons that your brain is telling you that you can't is overcomable. That's a word, overcomable. Um, Like you really can, but the first thing you have to do is really let yourself daydream about that fantasy of how your life looks like, what your time looks like, what your weeks look like, what your relationship with yourself looks like. So I really encourage everyone, if you're going to do one thing from this podcast, just sit with like, what is the fantasy? What makes me feel delicious and tingly when I think about how I actually would spend my week? Delicious and tingly. Oh, I love that. <laughs> like, like, I feel stressed and burnt out when I think about my week. What do you mean? Yeah. Oh, that is so good. It's so interesting. Like, I, I totally hear what you're saying with, like, what do you want your life to look like? Because when... Uh, when I work with my clients, because they come in with the, I don't even have time to exercise. I don't have time to do this. I don't have time to do that. Cause everything I'm in hustle mode just till this milestone. And I always tell them, I'm like, if you can't manage your brain and your life and your health now, you will not do it then. Because as entrepreneurs, I find our horizons are always moving. We see a goal. We think when I get there, my problems will be solved, which we know they won't be because we've hit milestones before and they're not. So I always say like, what would you want to, what would you want your health to be like now? What time would you want to end your work day? How much time do you really want to be spending? If you don't learn how to do that now, I promise you will not do it then no matter what, because if you think that you don't have enough time now, Try that with a business double the size now with employees. Like, where do you think this extra time is coming from? It's coming from our brain and we need to create that. And I think you did a podcast episode all on the retirement mindset, but, and not so much retirement. I would like to almost call it for entrepreneurs milestone mindset. Yeah. It's kind of like later, then I'll, then I'll do the thing. And we're really, again, like as entrepreneurs, we've been conditioned with the retirement mindset from when we were in school of like, you work for 60, 70 years and then you get to retire and do nothing. So we really think that like, we have to do the work in order to get to do the nothing. Um, And that's like so expensive um, in terms of our quality of life. And also something else like on that note that I forgot to mention earlier, but one of the reasons why I did get into this was I used to volunteer a lot with the elderly, like from when I was a young kid. And I would hear so many stories of like regret about how they spent their time and the things that they didn't do and the things they didn't give time to. And it was literally like the most common, I think there was not a single person that I spoke to that didn't have something like that. So sometimes one of the things that you want to do is go to your deathbed and be like on my deathbed, do I wish I worked 60 hours this week? Do I wish that I went to my friend's barbecue? Do I wish that I worked 60 hours this week? Or do I wish that I just let myself watch some stand-up comedy on TV? I start like, I used to, I spent years of like, I'm never watching TV series. They're trained to take over our lives. Like I'm just never doing it. And recently I was in Mexico and I was traveling alone for a few weeks. And I started watching 
what's it called next in fashion it's like a reality tv show about like a competition and it was like so good and I enjoyed it so much and now I found one about like baking and I'm like yeah like I like competition tv shows and I didn't know that for so long because it wasn't a productive thing to do and I promise you I am learning things about human brain and psychology and whatever that totally are productive by default right like I'm not watching them for them to be interesting but I am like oh that's interesting um because I think and I don't think I've released this episode yet but how we diversify our time just like we just like financial investors diversify their financial investments we want to be diversifying our time investments as well and that's how you create you know with the best results so good so good so Last question I have for you before I, we you can tell us a little bit about where to find you. Um, how did you use time hacking to build a multi six figure business? And how how long was it? Just give us a rough timeline and then so. some time hacks. Yeah, so I built my first one hundred k in six months. So I made nine k in one year. Then I had to make fifteen k in two months, which I did. Then I made hundred k in six months. Then I made hundred k in six weeks. And then hundred k in two weeks. That was like last year. Um, during a pandemic and during moving moving twice so we moved from my parents to Oxford and then from Oxford to France because my husband like it was a surprise pandemic move from his school um and did you ask me how I did it yeah like what are the time hacks you use do you think to help collapse that 100k timeline yeah I did the most I did what was uncomfortable instead of delaying it like I stopped delaying it. Like I was hired actually by the school that certified me to work for them as a coach, which was the best when I went back to live with my parents and I had to make that 15K in two months. Like it definitely contributed. And like, we, you know, we literally had no money and I'd just taken on massive debt and it was great. And I was like getting this regular income every month. It was $2,500. And my business was growing, but not really, I wasn't really there yet where I knew for sure that I could give that up, but I did. I gave it up my second month in because my coach had said to me, if you've made 15K in two months, you should be able to do it in one with, with including while working for them. And I wasn't able to, and I was like, okay, my business is more important. And it was highly uncomfortable. And that month I went from like averaging a 5K month in my business to 25K in my business, like three months and it was ridiculous um, because I was willing to do what was uncomfortable and not just in giving up the comfort of the regular salary but how I then had to show up for my business like there was no messing around there was no like oh well I could just check my emails again I guess I was like no 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 every day I'm committed to getting out there and finding a client which meant a lot more failing right like actual failing because so often we're avoiding really failing like if a client says to me, I'm gonna, I've got a goal of a, signing a client this month, I'm like, no, 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 you have a goal of signing a client today. Why are you giving it a month? You know, like the time is irrelevant. Like I want you to be willing to fail 29 times and get it right on the 30th and understand why you failed 29 times and be like, oh, I failed once this month because I didn't get one client. Like, no, fail bigger, harder, all of it. I love that. <laughs> I'm all about failure. I talk about it all the time. Like, I just love epic flops and they feel so terrible and I'm totally just like oh this again okay we we've been through this I didn't die the last time so I'm pretty sure I'll be okay this time <laughs> yeah I'm just about to share with my audience a massive fail where I did this um, event called the time investing sprint and it was live and it was amazing and I think we charged nine dollars for it live and then we repackaged it to run ads 
And I was like, I want to charge 27 because I want to get people like really highly committed that are going to watch it. And the numbers just like dived completely. So we've had people buy it, but really my goal is to get it in as many hands as possible. And so I'm about to refund all those people, the difference, and then go back and remarket it and reprice. And I'm going to announce it to my audience. Like that's literally a live fail where part of my brain was like, just don't tell anyone, just change the price, give the refunds, don't do it. But like, I'm going to, I'm going to email everyone that paid extra. I'm going to email my whole list. I'm going to speak about it on my social media and be like, Hey, I tested this hypothesis. It didn't work out. Here is the new price. Like, so what really? Oh, look at me living, right? Yeah. Me being human. Oh, yeah. We went through a big fail in 2019. We, um, we, we put ourselves out there and we decided to launch a product on Amazon, which Mm -hmm. We loved, but missed the market timing, didn't realize we didn't differentiate so much learning $30,000 lesson that we learned. But like going through that failure taught me so much about my money anxiety and just seeing how what I thought it meant to lose money or to do something that failed at that level and have zero result to show. Okay, I'm not gonna say zero result because I got a lot out of it. But I bet not you got the, more than 30k value out of it. I oh my gosh, that. yeah. Cause like now I never worry if my business has a month where I only make a couple thousand versus five figure months. Like I don't worry about that anymore because I know I'm like, oh yeah, well, I've also lost 30 grand at one go. So like this, and I lived and I realized that the only thing that made that so terrible was my thought about it. Now I'm just like, it's fine. Like I've lived through a, what a lot of people fear and never even try. And now, yeah. like, honestly, like if I, if I put a post out that doesn't get me likes, it is so micro compared to that experience, but it's uh, it's fantastic. So tell us a little bit about your podcast. I know you like doing bite-sized episodes because your audience, like you said, wants to use their time very effectively. So tell us a little bit about it. And my audience are busy. <laughs> Although people that do find it now always message me like, I binged, I'm on episode 27 on like day two. <laughs> Enjoy. Um, so I've just rebranded. It's called Hack Your Time. And it's really about like short, powerful, implementable episodes that leave you with something to like not just think about, but actually do. Um, and it's really focused around obviously, I think I've got like three episodes on how to create more time, but also how to manage things like anxiety and stress. Um, how to think about time differently, how to reframe the whole fail story, how to, um, you know, like manage your inner crazy, all of that good stuff. So the idea is just um, short, powerful lessons. Like some people message me that they love to listen to one episode every morning and it just sets them up for their day. And that's probably one of my visions for it. So I'm glad I don't need to record an episode every day to do that. But um, yeah, it's for anyone that really knows that they could do their time better it's like a really low upfront time investment of 10 minutes and it's just gonna move you forward faster so good so good so where can my audience find you if they're like hey I like time hacking besides your podcast where can they find you so you can go to my Instagram, which is at Vicky Louise underscore 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 and it's V-I-K-K-I L-O-U-I-S-A. So uh, funny spelling, V-I-K-K-I. And also vickylouise.com. I would say come hang out with me on Instagram and then all my links are going to be in the bio. If you don't have Instagram, go straight to the website, but also the podcast. 
Yeah. And I'll make sure I leave links to all that in the description so that it's easy for everyone to find. Well, I've had such a fun time talking about this. And I think this is, you know, work that is much needed in the world because especially with entrepreneurs, I feel like it's just such an expectation that the hustle phase means we work 60, 70 hours a week. And I love the refreshing perspective that an alternative is available and we can still be successful. And I think that whole collapsing time idea and not making getting a client mean two months is a, such an opener for our brains that if we start to consider that time could work that way for us, I think that's when we're really going to start to see our business blow up. And then we have time for biohacking our brain and getting our workouts done and the stuff that makes life feel good and enjoyable as well. So thank you so much for taking some time to come on. And uh, any last, any last things that you think would be really important that we didn't mention? No, I would just say like the, the one thing that can happen sometimes when hearing this being spoken about is is the shame spiral of like, oh, I should have been doing this differently or I've been doing everything wrong. And I just want to offer everyone listening to just like really, it doesn't matter. Like I've done so many things wrong, continue to do things wrong. I'm pretty sure we both do. Um, even when you know it, it's like, you don't just learn something once and then suddenly act perfect the whole time. So just having like that compassion for yourself for what you've done, where you've been, like we're not, by no means do I want to come on here and slam the 60 hour work week. It may be that like one, that sometimes working 60 hours a week is what's actually optimal because hustle and I speak more about this but hustle isn't about the number of things you do or the number of hours you work it's really about your mindset behind it um so in no way do I want you guys to take any of this as like a slam against how you are working but really invite yourself into a curiosity of like how do I want to be working and if I was working that way could I continue to get the same done maybe even more beautiful way to end the episode. Thank you so much for coming on and we'll talk to you guys next time. Bye. Ready to begin each day feeling energized and focused? I'd love to work with you one-on-one. In my Becoming Limitless program, you're going to learn how to optimize your brain and body with science and biohacking so you can be highly productive and grow your business faster. Join me over at tanessashears.com slash work with me. I'll see you there.